0: Welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. We're here to discuss on this chilly Sunday evening a couple different topics, of course ducks related. We're going to get into the Ducks new jersey. Yes, the Ducks have a new jersey that is coming out and let's just be honest with ourselves, jerseys are important. Jerseys are a big deal. So jerseys we have are, to talk we have jer- to talk about
1: them. I feel like jerseys go along with this podcast in a very, very big way. By the way, want to give a shout out to Ducks Go. Who just gave us a hundred bits, so thank you so much. Um, but um, yeah, I, I feel like jerseys are, 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 are a common theme of this podcast. We go over them a lot. We talk about them a lot. Way yes. more than we probably should, to be honest. No, when we're talking no. about hockey, are, no. do we do we double, not talk about double, them enough? No, I'm I'm saying double
0: down. it's not it's not more than we have to as you're characterizing it do do we we not
1: okay do we not talk about them enough should we talk about jerseys more
0: um you know what i think we should okay well it's about time so let's do it triple down so let's uh let's get into that but first do want to point out that afterwards we are going to be doing a preview of the 2022 or is it 2021 expansion draft summer 2021 summer 2021 expansion draft, the Seattle expansion draft. And that is coming up. That is way closer than one might think. You see yeah. my Freudian slip there of calling it 2022 in my mind, thinking it's so far away, but it really isn't. And so we're going to get into that and how the Ducks, uh, what we would do, what the, how the Ducks are going to fare. So it's going to be interesting, but let's start on this jersey. So earlier in the week with the NHL's reverse retro program brought to you by Adidas, the Ducks revealed a teaser of the uniform that they are going to be using for their reverse retro. And all signs point to them bringing back the Wild Wing jersey, a a white version of the Wild Wing jersey. So first and foremost, Jake, what was kind of your
1: gut reaction? What was just your initial thought when you found that out? So real quick, now up on the screen for anyone watching the the video portion of this uh, podcast, whether on Twitch right now watching us live or on YouTube later, now up on your screen is the Aesthetics article. Which actually we should mention this: uh, if you want more in depth analysis uh, on Jersey Talk, if you're enjoying this and want more Jersey Talk, Felix and I on the latest Patreon episode that we recorded and pushed out this past week, we went over this Aesthetics article and went through every single Pacific team. Reverse retro jersey and did a really in depth dive on these Ducks jerseys on a lot of jerseys and went mm-hmm. over a whole lot. So, if you want more of this talk, want more of our opinion of this Ducks third or right reverse retro, not third jersey, go listen to that episode, go become a patron, go support us there at the five dollar tier, and you'll get that. But, uh, so my thoughts I was so so happy. I mean, we saw the eggplant and jade with white, and I mentioned this I think on Twitter and also on that episode. The white with the eggplant just makes it pop so much better than in the third jersey, the 25th anniversary jersey, where it was the black, the, the egg, or sorry, the jade just ends up, it kind of looks like teal on the black, that, that's that been my go-to on it, but with the white, it just stands out more, it makes it kind of look a bit, a little bit more green, the The jade just looks so much better, and the fact that eggplant is so prominent, and I mean, the dead giveaway that this was going to be a wild wing crashing the ice, ice jersey is the font. I mean the fact that you have that cartoonish font and so i mean i'm stoked i'm so happy i don't exactly actually have recollection of the ducks wearing the sweater on the ice and i think that's why i'm so excited to see it is that i i I don't remember them actually wearing it because i was so young what i associate with this jersey actually is that it's the very cartoon wild wing and it makes me think of the mighty ducks cartoon and so that's why I'm so excited uh, about this jersey. And now you can see actually what they're predicting it's going to be for the reverse portion of it on aesthetics, where it's going to probably be a white background with some sort of combination you would expect of eggplant and jade. And it's just going to be perfect. And there's so many good, great things about this. I love the fact that that they're using these diagonal angles like we went in depth with on the show that really made the Ducks jerseys unique back in the day and really makes this jersey unique. And there, there's just there's just so many really, really good elements to this Jersey. And if the rumors are true that they're going to be going with eggplant and Jade gloves, this goes from just being a great Jersey to being one of the best looks. The ducks have worn in the past, what? 15, 20 years, easily 15, yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Since mm-hmm. they made, since they made the change to, from the mighty ducks, this may be the best look they've ever had. That is a bold take. I don't know if I one hundred percent agree with. Okay that. Le- let me let me rephrase that. This may mm-hmm. be the best look they've had outside it for multiple games because they wore the, they had that one retro night, but that was a one off. They'll, they'll 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 wear these for one, multiple games. What one retro night? You are talking about the, when they, during their, the twentieth anniversary season. Yep, exactly. When they wore okay. the Mighty Ducks jersey, but outside of that, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could say they've had a better jersey or better overall look than this, so than this sweater couple
0: things to note here in Jake's commentary, this is Jake. So when we recorded our Patreon episode, kept referring to this jersey as his vibe, that this is his vibe. Oh,
1: wait, no, the vibe came up about the coyotes. But I'm
0: lumping this in. I'm lumping this into that because it's probably true anyway. This is your vibe. And so you are a bit, you're not biased towards this jersey, but you just love it because it just fits what you enjoy about jerseys other people may not necessarily agree that this is their best look in the last 15 years but what i do enjoy about this jersey is that they are trying to bring back just kind of a more fun element of their brand right and outside of keeping it kind of that serious orange and black with the web D, which is perfectly fine it's a good look this is kind of a an ode to uh the earlier parts of the the earlier days of the franchise and bringing back that kind of fun element to it um also there is the the kind of reality that they didn't really have much many options in choosing their jersey because if they had they couldn't really reverse retro the original mighty ducks jersey because that's essentially their current third jersey the the all orange with the mighty duck logo so this was One of a very limited amount of options, but it's a it's a good option and I'm excited to see it on the ice and I'm sure that it will sell, sell and sell. sell They're going to
1: be they're going to be printing money with this jersey. This is this will be a jersey that will transcend hockey. <laughs> like no, but w- I- I'm dead serious though. So you're it's, gonna it, mm-hmm. y- you will see people all throughout the cut throughout different like uh sports, throughout different things rocking this jersey will be my projection. I mean, we saw it with uh with Russell Westbrook rock uh rocking a Mighty Ducks jersey at one point in time. It I, I think you'll see plenty of people outside of the hockey realm buy this jersey and it will have that type of influence mm-hmm. on it because of how I mean here's the thing it's unique.
0: You, a, lot of what, a, a lot of what clouds your commentary as well as your dislike for the 25th anniversary jersey, but that doesn't—that doesn't, think, that doesn't cloud I, my opinion on this it, one, though. It doesn't cloud it, but just your commentary about this being the best look in X amount of years. I think that a lot of people really like the 25th anniversary jersey. It was a popular jersey. I mean, and and yeah. you just—I think you're in the minority, really disliking sure. it. Like, sure. Like really s- disliking it.
1: Here, so people on on Twitter, please. Or or wherever you wanna wanna reach out, whether it's on YouTube comments, whether mm-hmm. it's in the Twitch chat right now, wherever you wanna yell at me, let me know what jersey you think is better. If it is one of these predicted jerseys, we we know the basics of the this upcoming uh reverse retro. That it's gonna be a white jersey, most likely Wild Wing crashing through the ice. It, it's most likely gonna be that. And of course, once this is all announced tomorrow, we'll know exactly what right. the jersey so by, is. By
0: the time you're listening to this recorded version of the pod, your the jersey will probably be so released already. It's gonna be I announced on Monday.
1: Is reach out to me. Let me know which jersey you like more, this one or the twenty fifth anniversary. Because here's here's my gut. Regardless of how you feel about the twenty fifth, whether you're like me that not a big fan. Or whether you loved it. I don't know if you can simply say that that jersey is better than this one. I, I just don't. I, I don't know how you can... I mean, granted, I guess I I can say this. You can definitely
0: say it's better. Jer, jerseys are all <laughs> what subjective. It's completely and based, subjective. And based on personal taste, so
1: you can do whatever the hell you want. <sighs> but, you know, I'm putting my foot down and saying there's no way that the, the 25th anniversary, well, anniversary jersey can be better than this one.
0: If we are restricting ourselves to the subjective world of jersey evaluation... I think there's a definite case to be made that the 25th anniversary jersey is better, because it's kind of a, it it could it could be its own home jersey. It could be its own home and away kit. Whereas this, oh this, could, I
1: this could oh it'd be so good. No, I it'd mean this, so is, this is this is right, this has fine. to be an alternate. Fair, fair enough. Fine. Come on, hey, uh, you hey, you hey, even you hey, would oh, agree d- with that. Heyo, oh, flow chiming in with the actual correct opinion on com- jerseys that we know of. The current third jersey is better than the twenty-fifth anniversary jersey. That is correct.
0: Uh, I think that that's that's a fine take. I don't. The, I don't know the if the orange I, is
1: better than the twenty-fifth.
0: I don't know if I hundred percent agree with that because I just prefer the the jade color scheme to the orange. Personally, I just think it's a more unique look. But I have I have time for that argument. It, it's yeah. not it's not outlandish. So uh, unlike it, it's it's definitely not as outlandish as saying that this is the best jersey the ducks have had in in 15 years it's
1: really not that outlandish i don't know why you're saying it's that outlandish
0: because there's there are other candidates there are other candidates that they they have worn that that have been good name one in the last 15 years the 25th anniversary jersey the the current alternate jersey
1: no i love the i am a big fan of the orange alternate no way no way no way that you can say that that's better. Well, I'm just saying
0: there's an argument to be made. It's not necessarily what I think. Fine. But I think that there are de- there's definitely going to be fans listening to this who own some of these jerseys who would probably hey, say that they're that they really like those jerseys.
1: I own the orange tr- orange third. Yes, I love but you, it. I'm a fan.
0: You love whatever's new. You love whatever I is, love th- is I did love I did not new. love the twenty Out out with the old and with the new. Yeah, I but, did not I'm still very confused at your visceral dis- dislike for that. jersey. That's what this is all about. Cause we've sorry if this has <laughs> turned into this debate, because we have, we spent uh, like two hours talking about the, <laughs> this topic earlier in the week. So now we're just reaching a different offshoot of the subject. I am. I'm not saying I dislike this, this new Jersey that they're bringing for the reverse retro. I think it's great. I love the concept. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to look great on the ice. Um, I'm excited about it, and I love that they preserve that weird, completely illegible font on the back with it with the name bars. So, so that's unique, gonna so unique. It's gonna be great, um, but it's not it's not a look that's necessarily for everybody. And there, I'm sure there are definitely people who prefer the 25th anniversary jersey or that prefer the alternate jersey. That it's okay to to be open to that. Okay. It's sure. Jake's
1: where the highway is something that people have to realize. No, I get on, it. On, on jerseys, jerseys are completely subjective, and people yes. are gonna like, and you are allowed to like whatever you want. Well, here is another. Here is the,
0: the. I guess the only other candidate that they could have done would have been the the fourth the, jerseys from the that same season ninety five with the the fourth jersey that they
1: had that year i'm a big fan of that jersey to be honest and i think that redoing mm-hmm. that would have been interesting but yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue was is that jersey less creativity was all, that 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 jersey already had multiple different color variations on it so e- yes that you so, can't exactly reverse retro that unless you went with like an orange version of it
0: so at this point i feel like i really do need to go back and read what reverse retro actually means because i feel like different teams have applied it in different ways yep so if you look at the colorado avalanche and what they've done
1: oh uh, it it's a beaut
0: It so they brought back the nordiques jersey but they don't, just put their, their they put their current colors on it so yeah but see for, for, for other teams they picked an older jersey and just flipped the, the colors that it had at the time so like reverse the Blues, retro can mean
1: whatever you want it to mean Well, (laughs) the standard is not obvious is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh, So let's briefly mm -hmm. do this before we jump into the expansion draft. So Mm -hmm. there's been a teaser for every team in the NHL now. Yes. And so outside of the Pacific Division teams, because we've gone in depth on those on the the Patreon episode. Mm -hmm. What is the look that you're most excited to see on the ice?
0: Ooh, there are many candidates. I'll give you a top three. I'll give you a top three because I said I, one, but sure. Go, go with three. You do. I you. don't, I don't care about your rules. Um, <laughs> my, my, my top three, the Sabres one is promising, yes. it's, br- it's bringing back their alternate from the early 2000s with the crossed, uh, the butter knives as some fans call it. And they brought back the Buffalo logo on the shoulders. So I love that. And I love the capitals bringing back this, the Eagle, the screaming Eagle. I think that that's going to be a good look. With their current colors. Correct. And then my third, hmm. I like how I gave you two and you asked for one, and I'm struggling with a a third.
1: Yeah. You can't say three and then struggle with a third. My
0: third, well, I just don't want to sound too biased, but I've been hating on it a lot, but I think the Canadians' blue, inverted blue jersey, inverted home jersey may actually end up being one that I'm a fan of. All right. And then
1: I'm going to stick to the one. The one that I said hmm. was uh, that you had to pick, and you decided to give uh, me three. Oh,
0: I know which one you're gonna go with. Can I guess? Sure. Arizona Coyotes.
1: No, we said I said not in the Pacific because we already. Oh, went not over in the, the Pacific.
0: Pacific. Okay, well then let me try to guess again. Um,
1: Whalers. No, this is so simple because I already said it. It's the Avalanche. Uh,
0: I I'm conflicted on that
1: one. I because think it's gonna look amazing. I think it's gonna look so nice. That logo is such a good logo. If they here's the thing, if they do a Nordiques logo, I guess that's that's the key aspect. We're not positive. All all for all intents and purposes, it looks like they're gonna do a Nordiques logo. They have uh, the pattern on the jersey that matches a Nordiques jersey. It's just the the different coloring. So it would make sense. I mean, maybe they they go off script and, and they do uh, they end up be, doing a, an avalanche logo. That would be a logo. bad call. That but would be a bad if, call. If it's a Nordique logo, it will be great. So I
0: I love the jersey, of course, but it's it just feels odd to see that jersey in different colors. It it doesn't sit right with me. There's something that feels sacrilegious about it. The Nordiques can only be blue to me. So don't love that aspect of it, but um, I'm,
1: I'm I'm fine with it. By the way, good friend of the show, Tony Kenpafu on Twitch um, said, uh, I'm generally not a huge fan of analyzing jerseys. With that being said, though, the Habs one is lame. It is lame. I agree
0: because it first off, the Canadians shouldn't be blue. Their, their biggest one of their biggest rivals is a blue team. So it looks very wrong for them to have a blue jersey. That being said, they're kind of roping me in slightly. It's I think it's going to look good on the ice. It's just the the concept is just lazy to me. That's what I dislike about it. One jersey that I'm happy about is the fact that the Panthers are going back to their 90s look. Because that, that is the well, Panthers yes. look that I I'm,
1: prefer so much more. I, I'm just annoyed that they're going blue. But I guess I, I would have preferred they... I mean, I guess if they went red, that's just one of their jerseys. So Exactly. The worst
0: one, for sure, though. That I don't... I don't think there's even a debate. Is the Red Wings, and of oh, course, no, this it, is all. It's the This Jets. is all. Th- this is all just perfect. This is all based on uh, what we think it's going to be. But look, have you seen the Red Wings? Yeah, the Jets is still worse. They're no, still worse than the Red Wings. The, did the Red Wings even try? Did they even have a meeting
1: about this? I don't know. They I mean, just they just
0: slapped silver onto their existing
1: jerseys. Yeah. The. The Jets is still bad, though. Like, that's the thing. Well, yes. You and I I, I talked about it. I will agree. The Red Wings is the least mm -hmm. creative. Oh, by far. The Jets is the worst.
0: Well, I would just be insulted if I were a Red Wings fan because I would be asking the franchise, you're expecting me to buy this? You're you're expecting to just put this out there and expecting me to buy it? No way.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised. Buy a Ducks
0: jersey instead. I'm surprised none of us, neither of us brought up the... uh, the predicted Minnesota wild look. Oh, it's a good an, look, which is an ode to the North stars, but putting an M instead of the N that's going to look amazing. If yeah. that's indeed what they do, the so Preds Jersey the, is pretty bad. Also. Well, well, the thing with the Preds is that that era of jerseys is not great for them. Oh, so.
1: so to bring back, um, something mm-hmm. from the Patreon episode to, to fill everyone in, it was a really yes. fun episode. Uh, where I decided to call any team that didn't go for one of their yes. worst looks cowards. <laughs> yes. The the Predators are cowards. Well, let's be real here. If, if they were, what do you mean? If, if they were not cowards, they would have done that goofy looking predator. Well, here's the thing. They I guess we be, don't know the logo yet.
0: They won't be cowards. If they bring back the mustard slash vomit yellow as, yeah. as the base color,
1: but we, they, don't, we, you, we don't, we you don't know that yet. See, you can see the base color on it. I think.
0: No, you can't really.
1: You can see it's yellow. It's just their normal yellow. No, you can't.
0: <laughs> I, I'm what? going to. Yes, you can. That's just the line. That's the outline. I guess, yes. Yeah. So the there
1: is a chance where th- that they're not cowards and it's that disgusting mustard yes, yellow. That, but, okay,
0: but let's talk about the Jets, though, for a br- quick second. I just don't understand the, the Jets. The, the Their jerseys, when they first came out, when they moved from Atlanta to Winnipeg, I, I like them. I thought that they were boring, but it was a good kind of solid, safe launching off point for a new franchise or a rebooted franchise. But ever since then, unless it's been a clear throwback, their jerseys have been really lame, and they just made a previous jersey from their history so much worse. Why make it gray? Yeah.
1: Why make it gray? Their reverse retro was taking an old jersey and making it a color that's not even really in their color palette at all mm-hmm. like where's gray in the Jets current color palette mm-hmm. I, well I don't, it's, it's, a, it's a trim
0: it's a trim so it separates the navy blue from like the white on their away jerseys
1: so you're and gonna make the so you're gonna make the entire thing gray
0: I, I agree it's not a good move <laughs> okay let's let's kind of round out this topic <laughs> yeah I, uh, I think it's time to move on a to couple, more serious topic. a couple others I just want to point out a couple others uh, like I think the Dallas Stars really nailed theirs I think they hit that one out of the park with just making their, their old school away jerseys with some up an updated color scheme. Yeah. And, and uh, I love the Tampa Bay lightning going back to their nineties. Look, love that because that to me is what how they should look currently. So I like that. That's where their, their head is at. Um, but we'll find out tomorrow. We still don't exactly know what these will look like, but I have a feeling that these predictions we're seeing on aesthetics are going to end up being yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start talking about the expansion draft here coming up in a little bit. We'll, we'll get into talking about some, uh, some friends of ours, but let's, uh, let's just kind of set the table here for the expansion draft. So expansion draft is coming up next summer. Why don't you go over for the listeners here, just kind of the baseline rules of the game here
1: yeah so here's kind of the important points i right now have up on the screen for anyone watching the the youtube or the twitch youtube video or the twitch stream you'll be able to see this is from cat friendly their expansion draft uh faq so as far as we know um and this was actually announced by the national hockey league uh uh that i believe that or sorry actually backtracking slightly i don't know if they've actually announced the expansion draft rules but all they've heavily hinted or mentioned that it's going to be the same as Vegas. And so mm-hmm. with that being said, cap friendly has put together all of their rules based upon what happened with Vegas. And so mm-hmm. the important points to note are you can have two different options for protection lists. You can either have uh option one, you protect seven forwards, three defense and one goalie option two, you protect eight skaters and you protect one goalie. So any combination of eight forwards and defensemen um, and one goalie. So there's obviously a benefit to option 1 cuz you can protect 11 player or yeah, 11 players as compared to option 2 only protecting 9. The downside is though, you have to fit within the the seven forwards and 3D. So if you have 4D you want to protect, you have to go with the eight uh eight skaters option. Mm-hmm. The other thing to note is uh no movement clauses. Anybody with a full no movement clause And it is continuing through the next season. And that is critical, actually, for Ryan Kessler. If he was playing and healthy, he would still be eligible for the expansion draft and not have to be protected because his no-movement clause becomes a no-trade clause in the 21-22 season. And so it's not continuing. It is not necessary to be protected. But uh, last expansion draft, actually, anyone who was on LTIR and not playing, they did not have to be protected even if they had no-movement clauses. But so anyone with the full no movement clause continuing has to be protected. I actually do not believe, as of right now, there are any Ducks in that category. And I don't believe there will be any. Um, so good news for the Ducks on there. It seems like Bob Murray learned his lesson somewhat after the last expansion draft of being forced to protect Kevin Miexa as a result of giving him a full no movement clause. Um, another important thing. First and second year pros are exempt from the expansion draft. So all players who have accrued two or less professional seasons at the end of the 2021 season, as well as un- all as well as all unsigned draft choices appearing on the team's reserve lift list, will be exempt from the upcoming expansion draft. So guys like Trevor Zegras, he's not going to have enough experience to be eligible. Um, guy like Jamie Drysdale, another guy who won't be eligible for it. Um, I believe Max Comtois has not played in enough games. He, even though a year burned off his contract, that one year that he played with the Ducks for, I believe it was 10 or 11 games, he did not play in enough games for that to count as a year of professional uh, experience. Uh, So he is not eligible, whereas Isaac Lundestrom actually did. And so he, Isaac Lundestrom is actually eligible. And then the final kind of really important thing to note is minimum exposure requirements. So all teams are have to expose a certain amount of players that are actually NHLers. And that's the purpose of this requirement is the NHL doesn't want you to just expose all scrubs that are AHLers that, that can't play because your team is bad basically. Um, and, And you're only protecting your, your good players. And so there's no one left for the expansion team. So you have to expose two forwards, that have played are under contract for the 21 22 season so they're under contract going into the next season they and they have played in either 40 games in the season prior to the expansion draft which would be the 20 or twenty twenty one season so that's this upcoming one or played in 70 games over the past two seasons so it would be this upcoming one and the prior one um and just to note i believe those 40 70 rules are going to be amended am uh, not exactly sure what the actual game limits are but it will be prorated in some form because last season we didn't get a full 82 game season upcoming season. Most likely will be shortened. Also, I would assume it will probably be shortened, probably 30, 50, something like that in that range, but these rules will still apply and defense. It's only one player that meets that criteria. So you have to have exposed two forwards and one defense that meet that criteria. Whereas goalies you, the only requirement is you have to expose a goalie who's under contract for the next season. So for the 21, 22 season, Um, or I guess they can be, um, expiring and they're an RFA for summer. And so you have to expose that type of player. Um, and so those are really the, the big things. I mean, there's injured players, like I said, anyone who's, uh, with potential career ending injuries and who have missed the previous 60 plus consecutive games, um, they basically, they don't have to be exposed. They're exempt from the expansion draft. So Ryan Kessler will probably meet that uh, requirement and will be uh, deemed uh, exempt from the expansion draft. Um, And so there's some rules about the team drafting, um, but we're not really going to get into that because that's more so uh, an issue for Seattle. The bigger thing for the Ducks is what are they going to do with their protection list? Because, I mean, as we know, the last expansion draft the ducks got royally screwed over and the issue that happened it wasn't the fact that vegas screwed them over it was that they screwed themselves over basically the the, the ducks outthought it they out outthought themselves they they tried their best to to get cute and in the process lost a very very good defenseman and that is potentially going to be something that will haunt them for a long time and we talk about it all the time that it's, it's been an issue for the ducks. And, and so um, th- this is important and that's kind of why we're gonna run through it. So before we
0: go further into that, I would just ask you more specifically, so what do you think the ducks actually did wrong? Cause you're saying, you know, they, they overthought it, they got too cute. So what specific things did they do wrong that they can avoid, that they can easily
1: avoid this time around? I think the big thing is that it, they just need to not overthink it. They need to understand what their rules are, what the what they have. And if they have a player that they think they may lose, they can end up uh, they can basically end up trading him away for something. Basically not lose him for nothing. Or, I mean, I guess the worst case, you lose him for nothing. And, and don't overdo it. Don't try to get too cute. The Ducks are not contending now. If they are going to lose a Josh Manson, just lose a Josh Manson. Don't lose something in the future also Mm -hmm. so i
0: think what i'm hearing from what you think they did wrong is that they they tried too hard to kind of i guess keep everything intact and try to try to be everywhere but they ended up being nowhere all at the same time and they ended up losing a good player so what you're saying is that you're for this coming draft, you'd prioritize future kind of younger future assets more than trying to hold on to veteran players right? That's kind of your so that's kind of your methodology there. So then quickly here, just going into this draft, you've already laid out what the Ducks did wrong. And there's clearly some things to point to that point to there. What what just kind of basic ideals or or principles are you trying to adhere to going into this creating your protected list? And just overall thought process, you've you've talked about uh, prioritizing younger players. So is there anything else just in your methodology here that you're prioritizing?
1: Um I personally, I'd be prioritizing young players. I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of said that, but mm-hmm. I, I'd be prioritizing young players. I would be potentially looking at maybe utilizing Seattle to try to get out of a contract. Now granted, Seattle's a team that are going to be having a um, they're, they have a really robust analytics department, so I highly doubt they're gonna kind of take that off of you and, and make a dumb move like that. So I'd be exposing guys to maybe have Seattle think that they will get a guy that will help them. Now they have the ability to take on a contract. because they're going to need to hit the cap floor. So maybe right. they, do that.
0: <laughs> they still need to get to the cap floor. Exactly. So yeah, uh, you, you have to take someone. So I think that, yeah. So just to build off that, I think you definitely need to prioritize younger players, right? And you, although the list of those players is not necessarily the longest in the eligible players, but also, Try to get out of contracts if you can. I think that that's the biggest thing. Is this format seems to favor, or at least make it possible for you to potentially get out of a bad
1: contract if you if you play it right. Is that do you, do you see it that way? Yes, and, and sorry, I was trying to. There was someone on our Twitch chat that was a bot trying to was trying to ban them in the last little bit. So sorry. Oh, okay. That that okay. was the reason for do, that. Do you so, want to recant anything you just said?
0: No, I, I don't want to clarify anything. I don't want to
1: recant or or clarify. I mean everything okay. I said was basically on on par. Um okay. the Ducks need to be prioritizing younger players. They need to I mean the, we've talked about it. The, the my concern and this would be my big concern if I'm the Samuelis it, with letting Bob Murray and I think that's why this season is so important from the Ducks perspective. From the Samueli's perspective, from a lot of different perspectives, th- this is a massive, massive season. Because are you going to let Bob Murray run the expansion draft again? Because Bob Murray, we've talked about it, is is a guy that thinks this team is in win now mode. They're they're a team that should be contending now, and that led to the Shea Theodore mistake last last expansion draft. That that's what leads you to make the those decisions. And at the time, you could squint. And say, okay, I get why they made that decision. I get why they 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 made that choice. And as a result of that, is uh, they they decided to prioritize Josh Manson over Shea Theodore because they thought Josh Manson was the guy they just had made the conference final. They thought Josh Manson was the guy that was going to help them make the conference final again. As it turns out, that was the beginning of the yeah. end for the team in terms of bottling The last That next season, they made the playoffs with a pretty good season but got swept by the Sharks, and then it all went downhill from there. Well, and, I don't, and I don't so- know.
0: Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I don't know if the – is it clearly Josh Manson versus Shea Theodore and all this? Because I think there are other – Candidates that you could say they prioritized over Shea sure, Theodore sure. in this process. But
1: it was prioritizing people that would help them now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Help them in the now as compared to help them in the future. And that mentality was due to the fact that Bob Murray wanted this team to have another go at a cup. Mm-hmm. If Bob Murray is thinking that this team is contending now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: keeping a Josh Manson, and we'll go through the expansion, the protection list, and it will become kind of a lot clearer then. Or, or protecting a, an Adam Henrique over someone, those types of decisions help you now. There, there's no doubt. It, keeping Adam Henrique over, let's say Sam Steele, is a smart decision if you are trying to be better next season. I, I don't think either of us can disagree with that. That mm. that Adam Henrique's help. You, Adam Henrique helps you more in the 21-22 season than Sam Steele. But mm. is that a wise decision if you're a team that is not contending? Is that something that you want? And so that's where I am concerned why this is such a big season. Cause if Bob Murray still has the reins by the expansion draft, I am, there is some concern in my mind that the ducks will make a mistake like that and, and make a move like that. Overthink it, overdo it. Maybe mm-hmm. they've learned. I, I hope that Bob Murray's learned from the mistake of, of last expansion draft, because it's hard to ignore it when any, anytime you, you see Vegas on national TV, it gets brought mm-hmm. up basically. Yes. And, and so, I think that learning from mistakes is a key thing. And I'm, my concern is that not necessarily that Bob Murray hasn't, but we're being put into a situation where he may make that same mistake. If that yeah. makes any sense.
0: Well, you know, the ducks have a lot of concerns regarding the expansion draft. They have a lot of questions that they need to ask themselves and it's something to monitor. Uh, thanks to our friends at Mac Weldon we don't have any concerns regarding our clothing during these crazy times and staying warm as the weather kind of starts to get a little chillier, even here in Southern California. The quote unquote new normal uniform has a lot of us searching our closets and drawers for men's essentials that aren't really there. Instead of the usual business casual button ups and jeans, it's soft knit polos, tees, joggers, and active shorts. Whatever men's basics you need, mac Walden has you covered with unmatched comfort and fit i mean you and i jake have gotten to try on some of these clothes and tell us a little bit about maybe some items that you've enjoyed or that you've kind of taken a liking to
1: let me run through what i've got what let's be clear mac weldon's uh hooked us up a little bit given us some things And, and so for instance i've gotten their their silver boxer briefs their everyday extended crew socks i've gotten their uh silver stealth socks their waffle long sleeve crew their jersey knit boxers, their ace sweatpants, and their knit boxers. I've also actually, I was so happy with all of that product. And this is being completely honest right now. Not mm-hmm. just because of uh, of this being an advertisement on the show. I went back and I bought more from Mac Weldon this past week. <laughs> well, there you I go. Bought, I, I bought some of their pro knit uh, long johns because, you know, it's gotten cold out. I, I've started working. I've been working out a little bit this past year, getting myself back into shape. And so as a result, uh, when I get, went to work out in my uh, little home gym, it was cold this week. And I was thinking, what could I use? And Mack Weldon had long johns. They had these prominent long johns. They came in, wore them for my workouts this week. It was great. It, it kept me just warm enough, was able to pull them up a little bit when I got hot. But it was perfect for the Southern California winter. And to be honest, they're ace sweatpants. These might, might be the best sweatpants I've ever owned. They're yeah. so comfortable. The fit is fantastic. Those of you out there that, that follow me on Twitter, I think even on this podcast, we've mentioned it. I took a really massive uh, professional exam a couple of weeks ago, both days. Wore my ace sweatpants. Was very happy with my decision both days. It was an eight hour exam, four hours for in the morning, four hours in the afternoon, all day, 7.15 to basically 6.30 when you factor in breaks and having to be there. A sweatpant met the task for me and was perfect for the and up to the task. And I mean that's exactly what you want with a sweatpant. Something that's comfortable, something that will have uh, meet the requirements of your need, something that's soft. And I, I just really can't say enough great things about Mac Weldon. And uh, I mean, I'm just thrilled with the product. It's it's amazing. I mean what you just recently actually got yours in. Yeah. Well, what so have you I thought.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been using, I ordered the Ace sweatpant as well because you kind of, he, he definitely sold it to me and I gave it a shot. And I've got to say, so working from home, spending a lot of time sitting down indoors, I do try to get out and, and get some walking in, get outdoors, especially right now when we have to keep our bodies moving. And what I love about the Ace sweatpants, first off, it's just incredibly comfortable. Uh, there's a lot of different customized fabrics that Mack Weldon has that, you know, no matter what the product, it's probably going to work for you. And for me, I tend to run hot. It's just how I am. And so what I love about this sweatpant is that when I'm indoors, it keeps me just warm enough without kind of overheating. And then when I go outdoors, it's the same thing, it, it keeps me just warm enough. And but it's also maintains that breathability. I'm actually wearing it right now as well as the Pima t-shirt fits great breathable light and so it's really high quality stuff uh i'm not someone that does a lot of clothes shopping <laughs> necessarily but i can definitely recognize quality when it's there so if you go check them out at macwalden.com and
1: you do enjoy the product real, 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 real quick i want to want to jump in here because there's one other thing on mac Walden that that really got a really mm. got a tout here mm-hmm. sorry sorry to jump in on you felix as, as you're gonna go through a. Uh, How you can enjoy this product, but Weldon Blue, Weldon Blue is a fantastic, totally free loyalty program. Level one gets you free shipping for life, and once you reach level two by spending two hundred dollars, you get twenty percent off every single order for the next year. For that's twenty percent off every order for your next year. So that it's just a fantastic, fantastic value. And they reward you by supporting their product. And so Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. Yep. So if
0: you want to go there and check it out for 20% off of your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP, like crash the pond, and enter promo code CTP at checkout. That's macweldoncom slash CTP promo code CTP for 20% off MacWeldon, Weldon. It's keeping us warm. It's keeping us comfortable. And I am very confident that it can do the exact same for you. So on that note, let's get back into the expansion draft here. So do you have a list for us? We need a list.
1: So I was thinking, actually, and we can briefly run through, actually, the the notable players that are eligible per-cap friendly. And what I'm thinking we do, we, we run through them, we figure out if they're going to be protected or not, and, mm-hmm. and go from there. And we'll put together, you and me, our collective list Okay. from this podcast. And I think that's a good way to go about this. So really quick, running through the list, we have Ryan Getzloff. Ryan Kessler is listed here, but more likely than not, not going to be eligible. Ryan Getzloff, though, of note, he is going to be a UFA in the, the summer of the expansion draft and that's notable, and we'll get to that. Adam Henrique eligible and does meet the 4070 requirement. Jacob Silverberg eligible will probably meet that, end up meeting the 4070. David Backus might meet that requirement. We'll see if he plays in a majority of the games for the Ducks this season. Ricard Raquel, Danton Heinen, Sonny Milano, Derek Grant, Troy Terry, Carter Rowney, um, Nick Delorier, Isaac Lundestrom, Sam Steele, Max Jones. And then you kind of have a whole cast of AHLers after that point. On defense, you've got Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, Kevin Shattenkirk, Jacob Larson, Christian Juice, Brendan Gooley, Yanni Hockapot, Andy Walensky. And this is the one that's notable, uh, in my opinion, is Josh Mahura. And then in terms of goalies, you've got John Gibson and Anthony Stolarz. So let's start with the easy one here, goaltending. John Gibson is who you protect. And Correct. There's no doubt about it. The only thing of note on goalie is right now the Ducks actually do not have anyone uh, to meet the requirements. And as I mentioned them before we had our little break, the, the requirements mean that you have to have someone signed for the next season. So as long as the Ducks sign Anthony Stolarz to an extension, they have someone under contract that will meet. They have someone that will meet that requirement. So I would expect we'll see an Anthony Stolarz extension. If he doesn't sign an extension, the Ducks are kind of screwed and they would have to expose John Gibson in that case. So they're going to figure out a way to get someone in their system that will meet that requirement. So um, that that's a key thing there, though, to to note with goaltending. And then so let's let's work under the assumption that we're going to do seven, three, one here. I think that's fair, right? Mm hmm. I think there's there's no way that would make sense for the Ducks to do eight forwards, um, in my or eight eight skaters. So let's just go seven three one. We'll work under that. So Cam Fowler, protect or not protect? Protect. Okay, I agree. I I think that maybe <laughs> I mean, come you float, maybe you float him out there with Seattle potentially taking the contract. because the Contract, let's be real, not great. But I I think there's no way you don't protect him. Basically, you you have to protect Cam Fowler at this mm-hmm. point in time. Hampus Lindholm. Protect. Correct. I That, I think, is no question. Now we start getting into questionables. Josh Manson. Do you protect Josh Manson?
0: No, I don't protect Josh Manson.
1: So, I don't either?
0: He's going to be younger. So, for me, on the blue line, it comes down to him or Kevin Shattenkirk. And with Kevin Shattenkirk... Ooh, Shat- well, I disagree. Well, because Kevin Shattenkirk is going to be on there. So, is your are you... In your head, is this about uh, is this about Josh Mahura? Correct. So Josh or, Mahura, or you could make the argument Christian Juice even. So if the Christian fo- Juice has a good season. So the forty seventy rule is that so c- does, can that include AHL games? No. Okay. So my whole thing is I don't know if Josh Mahara is going to
1: be eligible by the time. No, uh, he's el- he is eligible. The forty seventy rule has nothing to do with eligibility for oh, the expansion okay. draft. Okay. the the 4070 rule is and that is why Kevin Shattenkirk will most Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be Kevin Shattenkirk or Josh Manson or I guess Jacob Larson could potentially play in enough games to to meet the requirement to be uh, the meet the 4070. The 4070 is there like uh, I think I said this a little bit earlier, but it's it's there just to basically make it so there's someone exposed that is an NHLer. so I think it's between Manson and Shattenkirk
0: if you're trying to keep decent defenseman on your roster. You could mm-hmm. say that it's you could say it's between Shattenkirk and Mahara, <laughs> or Shattenkirk and Juice, or Shattenkirk and Gooley, but I'd feel pretty comfortable leaving Josh Manson exposed, even though he has um you know he still's got some decent game left. I think that his contract is gonna expire sooner and with Shattenkirk, uh, he's signed for longer. I think he's probably gonna be better for a little longer amount of time so he is the guy that i would protect of those two you could make the case that you that you protect neither and choose to protect josh mahera but i don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if he would be the guy that um, seattle would target because josh mahera look he's been a fine prospect and he's played decently in san diego and he's looked good coming up to anaheim but I just don't think he's anywhere close to that Shea Theodore caliber, no. and so I, I don't, I I don't want to be, I don't want to box my myself into thinking that you have to protect Josh Mahura at all costs because I just don't think he's tracking at all in that same way. No. Just, just because you lost Shea Theodore the last time around.
1: So I don't think you need to protect Josh Mahura at all costs, mm-hmm. but I think given the the predicament that the Ducks are in, given where they're going. Who's mm-hmm. going to have more value to this team when they're contending? Josh Maher will have more value for this team in three, two to three years than Josh Manson probably will, and more than Kevin Chattenkirk probably will. And so by that value proposition, and, and granted, maybe. it's an unknown. Maybe. It's, it's, I mean, it's an unknown. Big maybe. <laughs> it, it's a maybe. So fair enough. What has Josh Maher
0: maybe? shown that gives you confidence that will happen? Like a five-game sample?
1: Yeah, <laughs> but then again, what was Josh Manson at, at 22 years old? And... He was probably lower than than Josh Mahura, and so you're yeah. you're doing a long you're you're doing a long term projection here. And do you want to lose that prospect? Because that's the thing. It it this isn't you're losing the prime years of this guy. You're losing, uh, you're, or the the back end of this guy's career. You're losing all of his prime years if you lose Josh Mahura. He is going to to Seattle and staying in Seattle. And Maybe that's I think the issue here is that it this would be a situation where I would. I would not classify this in the realm of what Jay if they Theodore. Take, what if
0: they take Brendan Gooley
1: instead? Or I think we, you and I both have issues with Brendan Gooley, and I kind of doubt that would happen. Honestly, if Josh Manson is exposed, they're taking Josh Manson. That that's who they're taking from the ducks. No doubts about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's if you're the, the ducks. Yeah. I, I think if you're the ducks, you have to look at trading Josh Manson as a result. And that's, I mean, this is where this comes in and where my big opinion on this comes in that the Ducks should be looking to trade Manson is due to this, due to this expansion draft. And I mean, it's not the end of the world if you lose Manson for nothing, but I mean, it's not great. You could have you, you had something for him by this point in time. It's and not great so, asset management is the issue. It It is not, but it's also not great asset, asset management to lose a 22-year-old, decently high-profile uh, defenseman. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I don't think Shattenkirk, to me honestly, even comes in the conversation for protection. Um, so that I, I was a little shocked when you you threw that out there when you and I were talking a little bit earlier. In Shattenkirk yeah, I, was well, who the, you were the, looking to protect.
0: The thing is, I am looking at it more so in what I think that will happen, and not as much of maybe not so, as much no, of what I what I personally would do, because the Ducks signed Shattenkirk to this contract, and I think that they really value him. And I don't know how well that would sit if they expose him in the expansion draft.
1: You got to think there was a conversation about that when they signed him. That they're not going to expose him? That they would expose him or that that, that was brought into the conversation uh, about it. Maybe. Do, do, do we even know that? <laughs> no, we don't. But you would have to think. I To me, there's just no way that the Ducks... I mean, I could be proven wrong. This could why come would, back to bite. If the Ducks valued the future so much, then why did they even sign Kevin Shattenkirk in the first place? Well, because they wanted to make them better now. But I think Murray also, in some ways, does value the future. He does think that that matters. I just, I, I don't really see that Shattenkirk... I mean, especially if you trade Manson, it all depends on how much Larson plays, I guess, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shattenkirk... I think Shattenkirk was brought in. To play and help, but also meet that forty seventy requirement.
0: Possibly, I. And so I don't know. It, I,
1: if you if you trade Manson, Larson has to play this year, and then he hits that and is that for you? But what I would probably, I, I what I would probably
0: do from from a personal standpoint, not so much just trying to project what I think they will do. I would protect um, probably Fowler Lindholm, and then I would protect Mahura and just just either trade Manson or just leave Shattenkirk and Manson out there and leave another forward out there. We'll get to the forwards and just, they can only take one guy. Right. And so yep, worst exactly. case scenario, I'm going to get off of a contract and that's yep. a win for me. Yep. Putting myself exactly. in the so, GM chair. So that's what I would personally do. What I think they will do is Fowler, Lindholm, Holm, Shattenkirk.
1: See, I think, so I think I agree. I, what I think they should do. And that's what I'm locking in here. Cause you and I agree on what they should do of protecting Mahara, I think they'll do Fowler, Lindholm, Manson. I think oh. Murray likes Manson too much. And I think yeah. if Manson, if Manson has not been moved and traded mm-hmm. prior to the expansion draft, I think Josh Manson is the guy protected. I mean, I could be completely off base here. I just don't think Shattenkirk factors into it at all. Uh, you know, you say that I, I, you I could you, be completely you off. You say base. that,
0: but you would have never thought that they would have brought him in this off as a rebuilding team. What? I thought they would. You thought that
1: they would get Kevin Shattenkirk? Yes. Okay. Then. I said last, su- last summer, I said the Ducks should sign Shattenkirk to a three year deal last summer. Well, how, does so that, that he, how did so but that why would you advocate for signing Shattenkirk if you want this team to be in a rebuilding mode? Well, that no, just the reason makes why no sense. The the reason why I thought last year they should mm-hmm. for the three year was to meet the 40 70 rule. Sign him to a three year deal he gives you some viability on that right-hand side to make this team a little bit better for the now which whatever well sure they probably should be worse now from from my perspective but there's also the the element of me wanting to watch a little bit of a better team but regardless outside of that the the 3-year deal last summer would have helped them meet the eligibility requirement they signed him it's a 3-year deal right at 3.9 million a year he's a UFA in 2023 and so, to me, that the additional years are partially due to the expansion draft. It, it's partially to get him signed, partially due to the expansion draft.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. Okay, so you're going Fowler, Lindholm, Nahura?
1: Yeah, I think we both agree that's what they should do. What mm-hmm. they will do could completely be off I mean, from it, that.
0: Though. I think the likeliest scenarios are Fowler, Lindholm, Shattenkirk, or Fowler, Lindholm, Manson. Is, is there the any
1: two. way that Christian Juice pus- pushes himself into that consideration? I don't think so. I, I think he's a fine player, but
0: he th- there's just I think too, he's too he's too old at too, this point. T- yeah, too old, and there's just too much in his game that's unknown. So one thing I did want to add, and I don't know how much that would change my own thought process, but what is the likelihood that the Ducks extend Josh Manson pr- prior to the expansion draft in that summer because he's going to be a UFA shortly thereafter, and what are the Ducks going to if the well, Ducks do intend on keeping Josh Manson, which it does look as though they're going to, to keep him around because they've had opportunities to trade him, what is that extension going to look like? That's well, he'll, that, that's part of my reasoning in being okay with losing him for nothing because you're avoiding what will probably be a less than ideal extension.
1: He's not eligible for his extension until after the expansion draft.
0: Okay, but let's just assume because that... Because he, I, he, is, he mm-hmm. is a
1: UFA in the summer of 2022... And the expansion draft is summer 2021. So the expansion draft happens before July 1. July 1 is the earliest Manson can sign an extension. Well,
0: so the point I'm just making is that I would be okay with losing Manson for nothing just to avoid
1: what would yeah. likely be a poor no. extension. That, that's fair. And I, I think the, I, I think the only downside, and this is the only downside to losing Manson for nothing, mm-hmm. is they could have moved him last summer. They yes. could have moved him last deadline. Yes, They could have moved him all these times for something <laughs> of value instead of losing him for nothing. And that that will be the only frustration of mine. I think it will be the correct move at the time to lose yes. him for nothing. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of frustration on me because I have been there, there's one of the a, people championing that. But look at the way, way the bit. Ducks
0: have handled this quote-unquote rebuild. What have they really done actively to make their team better set up for the future outside of just drafting well? Yeah, in no, the last I, two drafts, they've done we nothing talk
1: about this recently. I no. feel like we either talked about this or this popped into my head recently. Well, because what you,
0: actual rebuilding move have they done? If you if you look at their roster, there's all there's at least three candidates up to four, maybe even five that they've had in the past that they could have flipped when their deals were about to expire or even now that have movable contracts that they've just refused to. And if you are truly intent on rebuilding on moving towards yeah. a new core those are easy guys to those are easy easily identifiable players on this roster it's it's your josh mansons your adam henriques your Jakob Silberberg's, even a ricard raquel turned the page over they they had some of them had movable contracts that uh, manson and raquel still do and so the fact that the ducks haven't done that yet and looks like they never will because they signed kevin shattenkirk you can say that it's partly about the expansion draft, whatever. It just screams to me that they don't actually care about rebuilding. There's there's no there's no intention sure. here of rebuilding. All they care about is drafting well, maintaining a baseline of a roster, so that when they are comp- when they when their young players are capable of being NHL players, they have something to inject that into and not just Detroit Red Wing style kind of skeleton crew. Which it could work for them. This could all work splendidly well for the Ducks. This could, they could be a playoff team if everything breaks right. But this is a very difficult way to do it, in my opinion, because you are leaving a lot of value
1: on the table. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Definitely. So, all right. So let's just kind of wrap this in a bow in terms of the defense. We both agree. Fowler, Lindholm, uh, Mahura is yep. our list. Yep. And and All I just right. want to point out
0: again, just for clarity, I'm not the highest on Mahara, but if we're going to be true to our methodology, Mahara
1: is the logical pick there. Yep, he he has the most potential value. Yes, that out of the group of guys that could be potentially protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and T Anderson said the only thing they can uh, in our Twitch chat they have done is training to get an extra first round pick, and so I mean that. That is legitimately the only thing. And they, they bought out is. Corey Perry, which debatably yeah. hasn't even really helped. So,
0: yeah. So um,
1: there you go. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Uh, forwards. Ryan Getzloff. This is an interesting one because Ooh. personally, and hear me out on this, you don't protect him. The reasoning is, and here's the key thing. If Marie learned from last expansion draft anything, and not only from what, the Ducks experience, but what other teams did, he should be looking at what San Jose did specifically with one Joe Thornton and take a message or uh, take a page out of that book. By that, what I mean is Joe Thornton was a UFA during the Vegas expansion draft. And instead of signing him on the dot uh, to an extension during the season, what, Uh, san jose did was let his contract expire or basically let him get to the expansion draft leave him exposed because vegas was never going to take him because why would you take a guy that is on an expiring contract that is not going to sign with you and so vegas did not take joe thornton and even if they did he would have just signed back in uh, san jose on july 1 Mm -hmm. And, and so that is a slight risk, but it's one that you have to take if you're the Ducks to, to be able to protect more guys because the issue for the Ducks is they have a fair amount of forwards that are younger guys that you would want to protect for potential future value. So if I'm Bob Murray, I look at that and I go to, to Ryan Getzloff and say, hey, we have a contract extension for you, but we have to wait in either until either after the expansion draft to give it to you or if for whatever reason, Seattle takes you because they just need to take players and they're not actually looking... To get a guy from our team, which more likely than not is not going to be the case with Seattle. Mm. They're gonna probably look at the Ducks and be able to get someone of actual value. Um but if that were to happen, and then we'll just sign you on July 1. Because it seems like Getzloff wants to stay in Anaheim, the Ducks wanna keep him, he's a franchise player. He probably I think he's mentioned he wants to play his whole entire career. That is something that does have value to him. And so to me you got to take a look at it and just say, hey, we're going to leave you exposed because you're an expiring contract. And if you're the Ducks, that would make the most sense. You're not wasting burning an expansion draft spot on him on your protected list for a guy that it's just, it's not necessary to do that. It's so tough with
0: Getzloff because depending on how next season goes, if you expose him, Seattle may consider taking him because he's, he could, he could have, I think he could have a very solid bounce back year next but
1: season the issue is why would they take him if he's not under contract
0: i mean you can just couldn't you just sign him couldn't you just sign him to a, a one yeah. year two year deal
1: yes but he becomes a the the thing is you would so seattle would take him mm-hmm. on if this was vegas seattle if this goes back to vegas let's mm-hmm. say whatever Let, let's say it's the same time frame mm-hmm. seattle would take him in june mid mid to early june and then 2 weeks later he becomes a UFA and can sign wherever the hell he wants.
0: Right, but let's assume that they take him, they work something out.
1: But in the, between the, the thing is that that to me that that's not honestly a logical, I mean anything can happen. It it potentially sure. So that's happen.
0: your opinion, right? And I don't think it's that's completely th- logical because look, here's the thing. You're the one that says that Seattle values analytics and is looking at analytics. If you look at analytics, Getzloff looks really good in some departments and he could have a really good next season. So if they want to be good off the hop, he's potentially one of the guys you target for Vegas. So I guess all of this that I'm saying is that there is, I'm agreeing with you that there is a risk, but the approach that you're taking mitigates some of that risk or or lowers the risk. So I agree with you. The
1: the issue there is that yes, he would obviously help Seattle. He makes, he makes a lot of teams in the league better. No, Mm -hmm. no matter what. The issue is the likelihood of him playing in Seattle, even if they were to take him, is like one per one to two percent in my opinion. Okay. It, it just it, it's the same reason why Vegas didn't take Joe Thornton. It it just doesn't make any sense as it and, and I don't think Vegas really took any guy who's gonna be a UFA unless I think Vegas may have done it, but it's because they just need to pick a guy from that team and it was a burn pick, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they picked the guy, but they never signed him. Okay. So I don't think let's there was just, any let's leave I don't think there was,
0: exposed here. Yeah, um, so
1: I don't just just to close that. Out, I don't think Vegas took any player that was a UFA and signed them. I think any ev- any player that they would have taken as a UFA left. Yeah, well, different team, different approach. D- different correct. management. But I I just I don't think it's likely for that to be the case. So for with that we'll leave Ryan Getzloff I suppose. think that you have
0: I think you have to protect Ryan Kessler.
1: You have to, what? right? Of course, of course. <laughs> I thought at first you were saying because of his no move clause, and I was like, "What?" Um, yeah. So Kessler obviously isn't even going to be eligible. He's going to be injury exempt from yeah. the expansion draft. Yeah. Adam Henrique. Uh oh. This is uh, this is do where. Do we want to skip? Do we want to skip and come back?
0: No, let's just do it. This is going to take a okay. while, probably. Um, do you protect Adam Henrique? I'll give you my answer. No.
1: I I think on the surface, no. I think. Let's, I think let's get through the rest of the list. The reason why I wanted to skip and come back is let's see where we're at because I don't know if I would make protecting Adam Henrique a priority. Maybe you even look at it, and maybe this is where you're coming from when you say no so quickly. Of You leave him exposed dangling for Seattle if they're looking for someone and they can take the cap yeah. because they need to hit the cap floor, and he's the guy that actually helps them be this somewhat competitive. This is the, and get this is the benefit the right of
0: leaving Henrique and Manson exposed to me and even Shattenkirk exposed, is that you're going to get rid of some kind of contract that mm-hmm. that you may not be super happy about. Um, I mean, this could even be an argument to expose Cam Fowler. But uh, anyway, Jakob Silverberg?
1: Jakob Silverberg, I think the Ducks have to protect. I think I would. I think I would also. I Because when I you w- go
0: down the list, <laughs> it's not a deep list. And so he's True. a guy that I would be fine protecting. Um, yes, I think his game will age better than Adam Henrique's. So agreed. David Backus, no, nope, Ricard, not even a question. Ricard Raquel, I think yes. Ricard
1: Raquel, yes, you protect, uh, especially with his the the couple years left on his contract at yep. uh, that really reasonable cap. It you protect him.
0: Danton Heinen. Danton Heinen. I would I would protect Danton Heinen.
1: I, okay, I'll, I think I'll he, check it for now. Age, we can come back to it.
0: Age plus, I think there's things to like in his game, so
1: he's a guy okay. you take it down.
0: Sonny Milano, I mean, you kind of have to.
1: Yeah, I think you protect Sonny and Milano. We can come back because we we are now at four protected. Yeah, so we well, have let's three just go spots down the list. Left. Derek Grant and Derek Grant, no. Troy Terry, Derek, yes. Derek Derek Grant to me was was signed partially due to expansion draft considerations. To to the reason why. Now, granted, this wouldn't ex- explain why he got three years, but the reason why he got multiple years was to have him signed through the expansion draft. I love. The I love eight.
0: when you try to attribute some logic to what the Ducks have done this
1: off season, and it's, then I instantly shoot it down it's, afterwards. It, it,
0: it's fun to just spectate because it, just seeing the wheels turn in your head. Okay, it's hard. It's so hard. Derek Grant, leave exposed. Troy Terry, I uh, think you have to protect. Of course. Yeah, I mean that's obvious. Yes, Carter Rowney you don't have to do that no nick delorier
1: nope nick delorier is going to be so let's just really quick run through this the 4070 on defense will be either manson chaddenkirk the 4070s at forward will probably be henrique and delorier or and grant and you only need two so the ducks even if they were to want wanted to protect henrique they would have grant and delorier to meet the 4070 requirement so even if you disagreed with our reasoning on Henrique and want him protected, the Ducks are good in terms of 40-70 guys with Derek Grant and Nick Delorier.
0: Okay, so right now we're at five guys, so mm-hmm. five forwards. So we have two other picks to make. Now, to me, it's a group of three because you have yep. all the AHL guys that, you know, will, you know, the, the Vinny Letary's, Jack Copacca's, Carrick's, DeLeo's, Agazinos, Podorowski's. You have those guys. To me, the group of three is Isaac Lindstrom, Sam Steele, and Max Jones. You can only protect two of the three. So Jake, who do you protect of those three?
1: Two of the three. So this is this is where I would differ from you. <laughs> I would have I would I would leave Hanton You haven't Danton- even heard Heinen. what I said? Oh, okay, the well, Danton no, 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 Heinen. Okay. No no, no. that okay. I would leave Danton Heinen exposed and protect all three of these guys. Oh, oh! I don't know how to Because I about think that. if you're doing a future value projection, like I, I said with defense, mm-hmm. I think Danton Heinen gets is less. And this is me talking here. Someone who, as all of you listening to the show probably know, not the highest on Isaac Lundstrom, but I'll take the 21 year old over the 25 year old for this, and protect Dan or Isaac Lundstrom and Sam Steele and Max Jones, the 21, 22 year olds. Over uh, the 25 year old in Danton Heinen.
0: Uh,
1: Okay. So, but
0: my issue here is that I I just, I'm very down on Max Jones. Extremely down. If you look at some of his numbers last season, actually, let me rephrase that. If you look at all of his numbers last season, he was an okay shot generator, barely below average. Bad defensively, doesn't really generate his own offense so he's an he's a good penalty killer I, I guess that's the only thing you can really say about him right now yes he is younger but with danton heinen at least we can point to the fact that he is a good shot suppressor he is good at, at limiting the opponent's quality of chances and he's a good and he's a slightly below average playmaker so to me that's at least a more interesting player. And with Max Jones, I just don't even think it's likely that, that Seattle would take him. So I'm not really even too concerned about exposing him.
1: I'm not too concerned that they would take Danton Heinen necessarily. I think that they're, I
0: think they're likelier to take Danton Heinen than Max Jones because Danton Heinen is a better player. So,
1: my issue with with Danton Heinen versus I think they're more I actually disagree I think they're more likely to take Max Jones due to age and cap and long term cap hit granted, I, I understand but you but, have to look but, at the
0: the player though you're looking at it no, just from I, cap and age there is a player element to this the no actual I I, I know and
1: the thing is I guess granted I'm not that high on Danton Heinen personally and maybe that but that's what ha- also what but plain. what has Max Jones
0: done to give you this confidence and I'm open to I think hearing my, a
1: case, I think Max Jones has. I don't know if he's necessarily shown anything on ice, but I think he's shown in (laughs) flashes what he can do, and I think uh, in some ways...
0: You love to hear that. He hasn't done anything on the ice, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I don't
1: don't know if I've necessarily seen that from Danton Heinen either. Well, the thing is, Danton Heinen has
0: a track record in Boston that we can point to.
1: But here's the other issue, and this is why I would lean towards... Protecting Jones because that it sounds like we we both agree you protect Lundstrom you protect Steel. Yeah, I would protect Steel and, and Lundstrom, mm-hmm. and I and I would agree with that. I think you protect the centers. I think even though both of us have our issues with Isaac Lundestrom, he is 21 years they're old. There's still there's still he, time. Yeah, there there there's potential there, mm-hmm. and I think there is still potential with Max Jones, and I think that's where where I'm coming from on this on Danton Heinen. And the other issue is he's an RFA next summer. At minimum, he's going to be making 2.8 uh mill i think max jones will cost less next summer and i think that does play a part in a team that is up against the cap and granted they do have money coming off the book so may not be an issue next summer but i i think that and the other reason why i would go max jones and this is partially this isn't necessarily my opinion this is now pulling a bit of a U on this with with the defense. Now, granted, we went against it at the end of the day, but thinking about what the Ducks would do, mm-hmm. w- when you're a franchise, I think you're more likely to want to protect the guy with potential that you've developed, That's to- that you've put the time into. That's
0: totally fair. I think that that's completely fair. My own view is just that I I'm borderline out on Max Jones, if not completely. That's fair. And so I just don't see any value in protecting him even if he'll be cheaper. Yeah, he'll be cheaper, but what are you getting for that money? You know, If you're not getting anything, it doesn't really matter. So at least with Heinen, I can rationalize that he will give me something. Now, maybe Max Jones, maybe this coming season, his age 23 season will be the year where he breaks out. It's it's possible. It's just Mm -hmm. if you look at the stats, there is just almost nothing there. And and that's why
1: I think this season – Becomes even more critical for, yeah. for, for Max Jones, that, that, for Sam well, that's Steel why, for Isaac Lundestrom. That,
0: that's why it's tough to have this conversation right now. And that's why the next season will be so great for this conversation, yep. because we're going to find out a lot about these players now. The difficulty will be to not overreact one way or the other. So,
1: yep. And because circling back to last expansion draft, mm-hmm. the Ducks overreacted to what was a poor playoffs from Shea Theodore. Exactly. And, and thought he was expendable, and Brandon Montour was the new. What hot if thing What if Jacob the, Larson has a breakout season? and They protect him. Oh, what What if they protect him over Josh Mahura and lose Josh Mahura? Honestly, the I think the player that that Seattle will pick will be at the end of the day. I think the Ducks aren't going to protect Josh Maher and I think Seattle's going to take him.
0: Well, here's the thing. Let's say that they don't do that. Let's say that they go Fowler. So. Let's just go over our list just one more time here, and then yep. let's do so, let's do kind of a more specific what we think will happen. I'll,
1: so I'll, I'll agree. Oh well, let me just run through. I I'll leave it as Heinen being protected. So as of right now, putting a button on uh, or a bow on our our personal list, our combined list, mm-hmm. uh, we have Jack Silverberg, Ricard Raquel, Danson Heinen, Sonny Milano, Troy Terry, Isaac Lundestrom, Sam Steele as our seven forwards. Our three defense and also keep in mind Ryan Getzlaf not protected. But we both agree, or not both agree, but we potentially think that he will just be resigned after expansion draft. Um, the three defense are Fowler, Lindholm, Mahura, and the goalie is John Gibson. Okay, so
0: let's just redo this quickly. Fowler, Lindholm, Manson. Do you think that's the D?
1: If Josh Manson is still with the Ducks, yes, he's gonna still be with the Ducks. Who are we kidding? <laughs> and yep who, i mean who are we kidding who, if uh, bob
0: murray is still the gm he will still be with the ducks um okay let's um let's look at the forwards now so what's the big difference you think with the list
1: that we have and what the list could be right now well on the board right now on the video you will see the changes made which is swapping danton Heinen for adam henrique so that's the only one you don't think there's any others that is the only one I can really think of um I mean what what's one that you're thinking of right now? I mean, maybe the only one I could see would be
0: well <laughs> swap Sonny Milano for Derek Grant God, that would be awful isn't it kind of plausible though isn't it kind of plausible <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, so this is, so, okay. I think, I actually think it's possible they protect Grant. I think it's also possible that they protect um, Max Jones over Sonny Milano. I, I could see both Milano and Heinen being exposed. And so you kind of dangle that for Seattle. So you dangle, you dangle Milano, Heinen, and uh, Mahura of the guys who they might target. And so of that group... Realistically, I think Seattle logically would take Mahura, but the thing is we don't really know who else they would take from other teams and how that all fits into this. So that's why it's kind of hard to say who they would take because we don't know their larger strategy and, and we don't really know who other teams will be exposing. So... Maybe it's Mahara. Maybe Milano is the most logical pick of those 3. That the highest yeah. ceiling forward or well, maybe Heinan. And it also mm-hmm.
1: it also depends on on what they're doing with cap hit. Mm-hmm. I mean they maybe they they try to take the the guy that would have the highest cap hit out of this group. Maybe maybe it's Heinan. Maybe they go well no. I mean the the flyer that they would take when if they just don't want anyone would be David Backus. Yes, but will Bacchus even be – he'll be a UFA, right? Yeah, no, but that's my point. If they just want to take someone to just take someone. Yeah, but I think – They're not necessarily looking to get a player, but mm -hmm. I don't think there's a world where you would take that – do that over Josh Maher. That that just wouldn't make sense. Here is my thing with this
0: expansion draft. I think that we've kind of gone over the ins and the outs of it. Yep. This isn't really that consequential of an expansion draft for the Ducks. I mean, it's going to have – consequences in the short and long term but i just don't see this big mistake that's out there for them to make i, well, I just don't see the, it
1: the issue here what would that be this is what, what is the Shea Theodore the, level the, mistake this is the big issue mm-hmm. we could have said the same thing last expansion draft no and the le- ducks no. the duck no but but Shea Theodore, Shea Theodore wasn't eligible
0: that, that's the thing but, here that we have to remember. But here's the thing, though. In that expansion draft, they had so many defensemen that they had to choose between protecting, right? Because you, you have to remember
1: Sammy Vatanen in this mix as it was, well. It was Manson Manson and Vatanen.
0: Right. And so they don't it really... they do two. Ha- well, but the point is they don't even have that kind of, I think, decision to make in this draft, right? I, I guess maybe it's between Shattenkirk and Manson.
1: and then well, ma- Shattenkirk and Mahura or Manson. And then- Shattenkirk, Mahura, or Manson. But I just
0: don't think that's as difficult of a, dis, uh, of a decision to make either way. Whereas back then, you know, Votnin and Manson were both kind of still in their in their prime, and so that
1: well, that was a different decision. the The benefit for the Ducks this expansion draft, as compared to last, is they don't have no movement clauses mm-hmm. uh, in this expansion draft that are tying their hands. Yeah, and that's a good thing because they have flexibility. For to expose or protect any player on their roster, yeah, there are not any auto protects, and that's a benefit for this Ducks franchise. The I actually disagree though, I think that this is a tougher expansion draft because, because of more the place the franchise, yeah, I, I think because of the place the franchise is in, the fact that they are uh, potentially they this is a team that I mean, you and I both agree they should be rebuilding right now, they are not a contender as of right now. And they could potentially lose one of their younger pieces. And now, granted, those younger pieces could may not become what you would want them to be. They they may not be something that helps out the team long term, but there is the risk there. And to me, the, the issue with this expansion draft isn't the same proposition as last time. Last time you were potentially going to lose someone that would help you in the now which yes hurts but that was a team that was declining and declining fast this is a team that needs to be building and you could lose one of those puzzle pieces for the building and i think that's my concern here and i mean maybe it's just replaced by one of the younger guys maybe maybe if you lose max jones jacob perot comes in quick and takes that spot and becomes much better than what max jones ever would have been um so maybe you're right. Maybe it's not as consequential long-term, it's, but I, it's I, not, I just, it, it just isn't.
0: Here's the thing. This is kind of my overarching thought that I can't really re- separate from this. This team isn't good. The, there's not that's, a lot of, there's not right. a lot of great players on this team. The younger players that you might want to protect, you can find a way to protect them, right? The, the, the guys True. that you really value, like let's say a Troy Terry or a Ricard Raquel or, you know, Sam Steele, Sunny Milano, you can you can protect those guys. It's it's not that hard to do that. But let's say in some crazy world you lose one of these guys. Just pick a name. Let's say you lose like a Sam Steele, or you lose a Sonny Milano, or a Josh Mahara. That's not a crippling blow because Sam. That's fair. None of them, and I emphasize, none of them have shown remotely anything close to what Shea Theodore had shown in the AHL up to that point before he was before he got traded to to vegas and also in the nhl because sam Steele wasn't good last season um josh Mahura got a cup of coffee in the nhl sonny milano's been traded and there's some flaws in his game but he he does have some strengths um even if you lose like an isaac lundestrom right he's younger he's cheap but he hasn't shown much on the ice it's one player that's the thing. So I just, I just look at this, and it's an important conversation to have. But I just don't think it really is going to affect them that much. So no, that, that's fair. I guess the only way this could be consequential is if the Ducks do what the, they the did last re- expansion draft. The, the reason that that it was such a big deal for the Ducks last time is because a they were a good team, right? Or they they were still kind of on the competitive side of the of the of the curve, and their prospect system. Was had more guys that were ready, and there was some interesting prospects coming up. Like you had both Montour and Theodore. I just think at that point that the team was in a better place at that point than they are now. Yeah, where they are now. The, the funny,
1: was, the, go f- ahead. The funny thing was the funny thing was with that expansion draft was that team was in a tough spot with losing a potential uh, an NHLer, but that team was actually set up really well. Where all, I think almost every single prospect was exempt I think Ricard Raquel if mm-hmm. I'm looking back may have even been exempt I'm not positive on that but Andre Kasha I know is exempt mm-hmm. Nick Ritchie was exempt Shea Theodore was exempt mm-hmm. Brandon Montour was exempt but, that team was set up where they had all of their and that's I guess where I'm coming in with they have a lot lot more young guys that are not exempt this expansion but you do you really you are correct.
0: do you do you see Seattle finding a way to get a Jacob Perot, a Trevor Zegras, a Jamie Drysdale Uh, a beau Gru, or max contact getting them out of of anaheim somehow like what would it take for them to do that because i just think realistically no realistically
1: no i I don't the the, the ducks
0: the ducks don't have enough obvious conflicts within this little eligibility test or this little kind of picking your protected list test to get to that point the reason that the ducks ended up in the position they were is because they had all of these inherent restrictions in the way they had to design their list with the no move clauses yeah that just doesn't no, exist fair. this time that's true that's so, true
1: that's I, a good point that that's a that's i think a really really good point
0: so um but it is important if, to know all these things because so, someone yes. has to sort through it
1: so real quick though mm-hmm. if you were gm mm. felix accard was given the reins oh going into this expansion yes yes because I want the same I'll, same option, and we'll see if, I'll just text, if I do I'll anything just text different Jake. than you.
0: I'll just text Jake for all the answers. Let's be honest. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> what would you do? What would I do? You have, you have free reign to make trades. Okay. You have free reign to do whatever you want with this expansion draft. You don't have to figure out returns right now, but that does affect draft lists, and I think that's something to consider. But what would you do with this roster going into this expansion draft if you were the general manager? Well, you're... You're putting me on. This is like more than the
0: spot. I don't know what's the Well, cuz
1: I I have thoughts and I want to get them out, but I want to hear your thoughts first. I don't know. If you want, I can go first. Yeah,
0: go for it. Let's see what you have to say and I'll I'll think through it.
1: So, if I were the Ducks general manager, I would be looking to trade Josh Manson. Yes. Just tra- I I yeah. think that that mm-hmm. I think I think that's just so clear because instead of losing him for nothing, which is not an awful decision, Mhm. But you can trade him and get something of value, even if it's just futures, even if it's just picks. Yeah, you're getting something. A second, and, and the the benefit of getting a pick is you're getting the same thing as as the benefit of if you lost him to Seattle for nothing, they'd be taking on his contract, and you'd get a prospect back or a pick back instead of nothing. And so, to me, if you even haven't, if you're even having a thought, if you're Bob Murray and you're you're even having the thought of potentially exposing Josh Manson. You have to move him. I, I think that there, there's not a question about that. If you are thinking about protecting Josh Mahura over Josh Manson, then you should be looking to do that. Now, maybe they don't, but if I was general manager, I would move Josh Manson. I'd probably honestly move Adam Henrique also for that same exact reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe there there's more of a reason to leave him exposed than there is Josh Manson because the cap hits a little bit tougher. There's probably less value you can acquire for Adam Henrique. Um, Mm -hmm. But I still think you can get something back. And so I would probably look to move Adam Henrique, Josh Manson. Now, granted, this is probably not a surprise coming out of my mouth, seeing as that's something I've been saying for a while. But I think the important thing is now that we've ran through this list, you can kind of understand why I've gotten to that point over the last two years, why I've said those things. But why Manson
0: over a Lindholm or a Fowler, let's just say? Is it just simply the contract? Because... You know, Lindholm has a similarly movable contract.
1: I would be open to moving any of those three.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just to kind of. I, ins- I think
1: man, I think Manson is the easiest to move. I think. Yeah. He's the one of least consequence to this team long term. Also, I think Fowler and Lindholm have the potential to do more later in their careers than Josh Manson does. But that could be completely off. I would be, but just to be clear, I'd be open to moving. To moving any of them so okay so
0: back to your question of what i would do i would so i was pretty much going to say the same thing you're saying i would get rid of the pieces that make this equation even slightly more complicated so trade henrik uh trade manson or consider trading fowler i would consider trading cam fowler because he's much harder to move he has trade restrictions he's got a, a longer deal but I think he's—he can only be traded to four teams, right? Exactly. But <laughs> here's the th- which ma- which makes it really tough. Yes, but here's the thing with with um Cam Fowler. I just I look at the last season he had, right, and it was a good season. But I look at the totality of his career, and I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure how good he really is, right? we can't weigh this last season so much be over everything else. And so I would consider moving him. Um, Manson is the easier guy to move, um, but Manson is better than Fowler still, even going off of last season in certain respects of the game. I mean, Manson is clearly better defensively, um, you know, in terms of play driving, um, he's actually slightly better at, at shot generation when he's on the ice. So, you know, we kind of are at this point where we're writing off Manson a little bit because he's faded from the limelight. He's no longer this analytics darling, but looking at his numbers, right? Looking at these percentile ranks that we have last season. Oh, uh, he's still good, Josh Manson. He still helps the well, team now. But but listen to the percentile ranks. So expect to, So play driving. So offensively, sixty six percentile. Uh, shot suppression, seventy six percentile. Mm -hmm. individual offense 57th percentile individual defense 91st
1: percentile like Josh Manson is still very good he 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 is still a good player the the purpose of moving him has never been because he makes this team I understand but the point is just
0: that if you're gonna move one of these pieces right Mm -hmm. it's it's very clear-cut the Fowler is the most difficult but maybe you you try to make that happen a little more just because he does eat up more of your cap and you're maybe not getting as much of a return on that investment as you are with Manson. Even if Manson gets extended to something that's maybe less than ideal, you're probably still going to get a little bit more out of him. Now Fowler does have his strengths, but in all of the categories that I just mentioned, Fowler was worse in all of those. He is a better power play player. He is better. He's a better shooter, but I don't know if that's something that you just kind of write into stone that you're just keeping on your team. And then with Lindholm, He's just the guy you probably don't trade of the three. He's still just yeah. he's just good at everything still. And <laughs> yeah. And
1: he's young enough where he still is in his prime yeah. and will be in his prime so, for a bit. No.
0: Anyway, so yeah, what I would do is just get rid of the pieces that make this equation more difficult. Manson is kind of the path of least resistance there. With Fowler, there's just so many things you have to do to make that work. And then with Henrique, I like Adam Henrique. I think he's a good player. I, I don't think any of these players are bad, by the way, but it's just like you've been talking about, it makes this easier. And instead of potentially losing them for nothing, you could get an asset out of it. And then it also frees you up to protect the guys you want to protect. So Mm -hmm. we're in
1: lockstep here. We are in lockstep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Shocker there. Um, So let's get into some questions from the Twitch chat. So those of you watching the recorded version of this on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com slash crash the pond to find us on YouTube. Please, uh, if you want to help out the show, go subscribe over there. It actually helps it a lot. It gets us up a little bit higher with youtube it helps us with various different things there so if you've enjoyed the show uh go subscribe over on youtube Mm -hmm. um and obviously there's a recorded version of the the audio version of this podcast but um the fun thing is twitch twitch.tv slash crash the pond v fun uh you can watch us live there what was that v fun
0: that's the yes that's what the kids say right v instead of very
1: Oh yes, yes. <laughs> trying to just trying to just slide in right there—that you're real hip, right? You know, I,
0: I just want to let people know that I am—I am cool. I am with that, it. That
1: you know what the kids are doing right now. I, hey, I'm what what the what the lingo is. I'm aware. I'm aware.
0: <laughs> you, you're on the TikTok. I'm I'm gonna turn a year older in eight days, so I gotta I gotta cement that I still have some youth left in me. I'm I'm now I'm entering my UFA uh, years here, so. Kind of, yeah, a, kind I, of a rough I'm, spot.
1: I'm coming up. I'm pushing, uh, going past my prime. So. Yeah, you're exiting. Thanks. You're exiting your statistical prime. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm still yeah, within exactly. it. I could still have a good.
0: Point production season but anyway
1: getting back to what i was saying twitch.tv slash crash spawn if you want to help support the show you can uh subscribe to the show you can uh if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime sub each and every month you do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days we had blue eagle resubscribed for a second month in a row so thank, thank you. you so much it's good buddy of mine lewis x209 resub for 26 months thank you lewis just, just thank you so much
0: retire his number in the, yeah, in the Raptors. We, we, have,
1: we have a few of those that have been with us on this f- since the beginning. <laughs> really good friends of the show. Lewis, obviously, good friend of the show both uh, on here and with the different meetups that we do at games. Really, really good guy. Um, but if you want to help support the show like them, go to twitch.tv slash Crash the Pond. Uh, subscribe, Amazon Prime. Um, but you get special emails in the chat, special badge to your name. Also, if you want to just follow the show, you will get notified anytime the show goes live. So, Let's get to this question. Uh, Scientific Lance asked, "What would be the worst case scenario for the Ducks at this expansion draft?" <laughs> well, I think it's probably
0: losing Josh Mahara. That's probably. Ooh. it. Oh, well, I well, think oh, no, worse sorry, sorry, the worst case scenario would be that you get cornered into having to trade one of your guys who are not eligible to be exposed. Correct. That's the that, 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 is, that is the worst is, case scenario. So having
1: that is the worst case scenario of getting cornered into trading Trevor Zegers. Well Which or, or see any path Or even a out, Perot or a Drysdale or whoever. Or even a Comtois,
0: honestly. Eh, that's I mean that, that's fringy. That that would suck, but he has to he has to show he can backcheck for me to really kind of be too concerned about that. Um So yeah, the worst case is having to give up a prospect that is not in the list that we talked about.
1: Yeah, and uh, T. Anderson, I'll get to your question in a quick second, but looking into that, because uh, I'm trying to get some info on that. But hey, uh, LouisX209 said, Will Ryan Getzloff be an Anaheim Duck beyond 2021? Do you think he will be a Duck? Do you think the expansion draft comes and goes, and even if he's not well, selected by Seattle, you asked, he's a
0: UFA? You asked me what I would do if I was in the GM chair for the expansion draft. I'll extend that out to just mean what would I do in general? With this team, if the Ducks aren't in the playoff picture by the trade deadline, I would trade Ryan Getzlaff. I know he's a no move, but guys with no moves get traded. It happens. So I would trade him and then try to get a pick for him. And then I'd probably try to re-sign him in the offseason and uh, have him finish out his career with the Ducks. So I, I get a pick out of it. Maybe I ruffle his feathers, but whatever. It's a cutthroat business. And then he'll come back and
1: he can finish out his career with the Ducks. So, yes, he he will be. Yes, I agree. He'll be a duck. Um, HeyoD4 asks, do we have any idea why Bob Murray is so attached to Josh Manson? Well, look, Josh Manson's a good player.
0: There is, there is nothing wrong with Josh Manson's game. Now, as I ranted about earlier, there is a definite case to be made that he should have traded him if this team were truly in a rebuild. But they aren't, and he likes him because he plays in an old-school way. Right. He's a tough player. He punches guys. He he's just kind of a rough and tumble old school defenseman. And I think that that's something that Bob Murray really likes about him. And he's just a good player. I mean, it, it's not it, it's not this objectionable thing to really like Josh Manson.
1: Yeah. And so the final question that we have, and I'm trying to still look into this just to get some answers, but. Do you have any update on when training camp, this is from T Anderson 2014, on when the season or training camp will start? So so as far as I know, I've only seen that early January. I don't know if I've seen an exact date necessarily or or the season? with that. Yes. Yeah, so the
0: season, it sounds like at the latest, will start by the end of January. It's It sounds like it's between, right now it's between January 1st or January 15th as kind of a, a target date. And so for training camp, we know that the uh, what is it that the delete eight, or whatever that the teams that didn't make the the um, the playoffs this year, even the extended playoffs, they wanted an, an extended training camp. So for the Ducks, I mean, if if the NHL and the players, the owners and the players figure it out in the next week or two here, I mean, it might even happen this coming week. Um, we, we may see a ducks training camp by early December. It, so it, it could be coming up very, very soon guys.
1: Yeah. it Yeah. I, I think, cause yeah, if you have a January, roughly January one to January 10th start date, you would assume that they're going to want probably a two week, um, two week training camp probably to get the lead up for it, especially for, I mean, if you have a team that has been out since August, typical training camp is what, like a month, so, a shortened training camp would probably be two weeks. Yeah, so I think the Ducks... Well, by training by training camp, I'm, I'm just talking about normal. Well, the pre-season. Normal training camp and, and preseason is about a month. So, for the teams that ha- did play in the playoffs, mm-hmm. they still, the ones that got eliminated early, played in August. Yeah. August to January is about a typical... Or a little bit longer than a normal offseason. Maybe it's right around the normal. Mm-hmm. So, they're probably going to... Even for a shortened training camp, they'll probably want two weeks. So... If they want two weeks, that will put you into, and you have a January 1 start date, that will put you on December 18th. Mm-hmm. If the teams that, what do you call them? The delete eight? <laughs> I think it's a um, basketball term, but I think it's seven teams, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was or like, no, it's eight. That doesn't work. It's
0: eight. No. Is it eight or seven? Whatever. I think it's seven. Continue.
1: I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's 100% seven. Cause they had a 2014 <laughs> playoff and there's 31 teams in the league. <laughs> so one, one of those numbers has to be odd. Felix. What, uh, yeah. what's, what's a bad thing that rhymes with seven. Anyway, continue. You, you'll you be thinking about that as I go on right now. But so if you have December 18th for all of the, the teams that made the playoffs, you take that back two weeks. We're talking December 4th for the start of, uh, of training camp. Mm-hmm. So that is two weeks from Friday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so it is coming up. That's what I was saying. So like that. Yeah. That, yeah, no, I'm just laying it out there in terms yeah. of the actual dates for everyone of where we are. We're coming up quick. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I, um, I have
0: one. It's not perfect. The depression seven. <laughs> Too harsh.
1: No, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. It's really bad feeling. Well, you
0: don't want to be one of these seven teams, right? It's depressing. No,
1: I get it. I'm saying that it just it. it <laughs> it it's bad it doesn't make sense like i mean it makes sense how does sense. it not make like, sense it it's just like a dad joke like wow
0: face to palm hurtful deeply hurtful i guess i am getting um, older Kim,
1: yeah Kim who asked to follow up on Heyo flow's question um do we have any idea why the samuelis are so attached to bob murray i've got a thought on this i think part of the reason is they're so hands off with this team yeah and so they've given the reins to Bob Murray and he led them to a pretty successful period. And so I think that they probably view it in the sense of he he's gotten them into this hole. He deserves a chance to get him out. Yeah. And I think this is the season where he's promised them to get out of the hole. And if he has not gotten out, I think that's yeah.
0: I think ideologically, we view the Bomeray situation as a pretty clear cut one. That he hasn't done the job; he's kind of leading them in this confusing path, and it should be an easy kind of uh, delete situation—just get him out of there and start anew. But you know, it's it's not always that easy for people that are having to actually make these decisions, have the conversations. Right? They they have personal bonds, and so you want to, like you just said, you want to give the person that got you there a chance to get you back there. And I think that that's what's going on here. And that's not unreasonable. And I think that the way that the Samuelis approach this team is superior in terms of being hands off than uh, an ownership group like the Pagulas in Buffalo, who are micromanagers and are in on everything, right? I think you hire the hockey people to do their job, trust them, trust that you have made the right decision and then let them make their their job of course I'm sure the Samuelis have some input but there has been no reporting ever of them being to that degree so I think that they like the guy they they've given him a chance or he's done well for them in the past and they want to see if he can do it but I do think that the the clock
1: is ticking and nearing midnight if things don't don't turn around yeah so T Anderson asked so if the ducks don't make the playoffs do you think Bob Murray is gone I, I would think so. Yeah.
0: I, it's just 3 years in a row, especially if it's anything resembling the last 2 seasons, which uh news flash, not good, horrendous, uh very awful. If if it's if they're not even competitive, I yeah. I just if they're competitive and they barely, you know, if they're kind of like the uh 18-19 Canadians who missed the playoffs by al- drink, almost a technicality. I've already talked about them, whatever. Um oh, I guess it's, it's, it's every time, huh? Me- Damn it. Yep. Yep. Uh, whatever. The point is if they are a very competitive team <laughs> and they miss by a razor thin edge, then I could see him coming back. Because at least then he has a case yeah. to make that things are turning around. But if it's if they look anything like the eighteen, nineteen and nineteen twenty ducks, he ain't coming back. Because those teams were bad and showed no
1: signs of improvement. So yeah. Yeah. Ken Pafu asked uh, another question. Do you think if Bob Murray knows his job? Isn't going to or knows he isn't going to have this job anymore. Potentially, is he going to implode the team, Torelli style? Uh, by implode, he means make awful decisions. I don't think that's Bob in Bob Murray's tool chest. You, you, you're making a face. I mean, that's kind of what he's doing, right?
0: Bringing in Kevin Shattenkirk, I mean, bringing in Derek Grant. True. This is like, this is like Custer's I mean, last stand, right? He's he knows this is it, and he has to get some kind of tangible progress Fair. and i mean this that that's exactly what's happening here now at least
1: it's not lucic no i mean he, these a, at least there's nothing that monstrumentally bad
0: yes in terms of the cap hit correct but in terms of the on ice value Derek grant, oh, Derek grant is in that realm is in that realm but yeah it's 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 a nothing contract
1: I mean, Derek grant's worst milan lucic is a good player compared to Derek grant
0: correct um and so yeah, so I think Bob Murray is at that point. It's just he hasn't done it in such a catastrophic way, and Kevin Chat. you know yeah. these are you know like Kevin Ch- Ken a good player, so it's not yeah it's not going to hurt the team per se, but it doesn't really jibe with what I view them as as what they should be doing.
1: Yeah, agreed. So I think that's going to do it for questions. Before we wrap this up. I'm spent. It wouldn't be a pod. It, it wouldn't be a podcast with you and me. And screw it. We're at, a, we're at an hour 40, uh, hour 40 ish right Are now. Are we really? Let, 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 let's keep going here because I, I got a topic to talk about. Oh, and this works perfect with Lewis's question. And this came in bef- after I had started this transition of what show should we binge? So it wouldn't be a podcast with you and me. If we didn't talk about Star Wars,
0: Mandalorian, I have I'm a, the man, I'm officially you have caught finally
1: up. caught up. So if anyone has not watched the Mandalorian, I think I think we could go into some spoilers right now. So might want to tune out. Yeah. So bye, everyone. If you don't if you don't like Star Wars, if you haven't seen it, Mando, the new episodes of Mando yet, uh, you might want to bounce from this. But
0: oh, boy, why are you doing this? It's almost why not? It's almost 10 p.m. Why not?
1: Because it's almost 10 p.m. That's the exact reason. I have a
0: bedtime. Um, Okay, well, so here's my thought, quick and dirty thought on uh, the new season of The Mandalorian. First episode was borderline bad. Borderline bad. Ooh,
1: I disagree there.
0: So the issue with that episode is it started off promisingly. So I like that they were working in the Boba Fett angle. I like that they were kind of giving – Tatooine, A New City, which we hadn't heard about yet. And uh, I love that. I forget the guy's name already. uh, The guy who had... Timothy Oliphant's character. The guy who had Boba Fett's armor, his speeder bike looked exactly like the engine of Anakin Skywalker's pod racer from The Phantom Menace. It was almost the exact same. And so I like that there was a bit of a connection back to the actual movies more so than we maybe saw in... The previous Mandalorian season. But the plot of that episode was just so basic. It's just, oh, there's a monster. Go kill the yeah, monster. I,
1: I guess I guess for the first episode of the season, it having a monster of the week episode is kind of odd. It was lame. You would have rather. Very, see, but very lame. I, I still enjoyed it. Was it was enjoyable. I mean, here's the thing. Yes. It, here's what my view of The Mandalorian. I, of course, prefer the episodes that have long-term plot development Mm -hmm. but i do enjoy still the monster of the week episodes because as a doctor who fan they feel like doctor who episodes and it's great and not every doctor who episode has to go towards the long-term story of that season there can just be a monster of the week and it gives you the character development and i think that the first two episodes gave you that now having said that the third episode no no no, no, by far no, no,
0: no no we still got the middle episode to talk about
1: okay fine
0: also kind of better better than
1: uh the spiders creep me the hell out
0: yeah so my issue with that episode is it was almost the exact same storyline as the first one just with different monsters right but at least at the very least what i appreciated about that episode was that it was at least building towards something right because now he's gonna try to go find this mandalorian and he has to he has to do it by transporting well, this really annoying frog character with the eggs, I did enjoy Baby Yoda eating the eggs, um, but just the whole, just the whole monsters thing. At least they were much more creepy, so you kind of had that horror element. But
1: yeah, it, it definitely did. And I
0: and I didn't like the whole you know getting pulled over by the X wings and getting interrogated. Like it just it was kind of corny. I, I didn't love that episode, but it was still probably better than the first one. Star
1: Wars is corny at its core though with a lot of things. So I have no issues with that Okay. I mean, granted, the first first episode, same thing. There was long term story there the fact of getting or towards long term term plot of getting the, the Mandalorian armor. Not, not as much though. Get, getting true. But there was that. And then there was this an final album. episode yes. though. The the third episode. Great. This was the first episode that really went towards the long term plot and to me, this may be my favorite episode in the entire, uh, in, oh, yeah. in all of the Mandalorian episodes, oh, because yeah. it not only was a great episode that had great action scenes, um, shout out Sasha Banks for, uh, uh, professional wrestler for being in it, um, and having some really good action as part of it. But, um, it not only had great action scenes, it, it had you on the edge of your seat, but it tied in clone wars and rebels for the first time. Mm-hmm. It, it this is a live action show that brought it in. And I don't know if you know, know this because you haven't watched all of Clone Wars, right? You've watched parts of it. Yeah,
0: just parts. But yeah, I know that they're from
1: Clone Wars. But Bo-Katan, the the main leader of those Mandalorians, that is the same person who was the voice actress mm-hmm. of the character in Clone Wars. And the character just looks so much like her. They cast her to actually be the character in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so it just works out perfect. And the thing that I love is there was a whole lot of confusion when the show started as to why Mando would not take off his mask because we saw so many Mandalorians take off their helmets. Well, yeah. So that's um, that,
0: that's the thing that I loved about this episode is that it introduced kind of a new endgame, a new kind of larger theme, a larger element is that despite yes. the fact that we've we've seen Mando as this kind of he is. That is what these, this that, is the that's what these Mandalorians are supposed to be. It turns out, no, there is kind of a conflict within, within their own yeah. people. And, and I think that while some may view that as frustrating because it, it's just another thing that chips away at the mystique of the Mandalorian, I do think that it, it adds at least kind of a new wrinkle that we didn't know about. And it, and it gives it a layer of complexity well, that wasn't there before.
1: Yeah, and and I think it adds that complexity for people that haven't watched Clone Wars, and for people who have watched Clone Wars, it's a nice touch because this ties back to in the Clone Wars when uh, uh, Grief Karza, or Grief, nope, not Grief Karga, wrong character, Um, forgetting the guy's name, but when he was killed by Darth Maul and it basically split the Death Watch in uh and uh Bo-Katan split off because she didn't want to follow uh Darth Maul and that kind of led to all of this and as it turns out that group of Death Watch was who ended up finding Mando and had this whole entire new code. And so it just really tied a whole lot together. It brought in all of these different universes of Star Wars and had it going towards one thing and the fact that we're going to get Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Makes me so happy. For someone who hasn't seen Clone Wars, for who hasn't watched Rebels, um, who I've actually recently listened to uh, the Ahsoka audiobook, Ahsoka is one of the best characters in all of Star Wars. Yeah. She is what everyone thought Luke was. Everyone wanted Luke to be every... She's basically Anakin Skywalker if he wasn't conflicted like he was.
0: Yeah. So it was a great episode. I loved it. We could go on about this forever
1: um obviously but we should probably wrap things up right fair enough so there was your star Wars but it was talk. great i had been itching to talk about it seeing as you had not watched it but i, I know you have there we are. i've
0: had to ward you off multiple times to not spoil it for and me you, you yeah but no it was and now it was great the, the third episode it it made up for a lot it made up for a lot yeah um But yeah, so if you've been enjoying our podcast, uh, there's a few different ways that you can support us. The one that I think you're going to get the most value out of is our Patreon page. So that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. For the $1 subscription tier, you get access to our patrons only discord chat. Uh, This is where with our patrons, we can, you know, just chat about whatever the ducks are doing when there's breaking news. For example, on Free Agency Day, uh, Free Agent Frenzy, we were just going off and there It was a lot of fun. And um, it's just a great place to kind of meet other diehard fans who maybe look at the game in a very kind of uh, analytical way, right, that are just really into all the, the minutiae of it, just like we do. So that's for a dollar a month. Uh, for $5 a month, you get access to the Discord chat as well. But you also get access to two bonus episodes and on these these episodes, we dive into uh, some broader topics, right? So we talk about the NHL as a whole. We do rankings. Uh, we talk about the Ducks and some larger topics there. Uh, we kind of have a little fun as well. We'll talk about Star Wars movies. Last one, we talked about video games for a bit because of all the new consoles coming out. So there's a lot going on there. And that's for five bucks a month. It, it Goes a, a really long way, and of course, um, in the Discord chat, you also get to. We always solicit our patrons before we do those episodes to see if there's anything that they'd like us to talk about. So that's at Patreon.com/slash Crash The Pond. Now, if you don't want to, you know, if, if you if money's tight right now, that's completely understandable. Uh, one one way to support us that is has no cost financially. You just go to the Apple Podcast app, search for Crash The Pond and you can make it really quick. You can just go and hit the five-star rating, leave us a rating there that helps us quite a bit as well, or take a little more time, a couple minutes, write us a review. We love hearing from you guys. Um, it's really validating to hear that and to hear the the great comments. So uh, that's at the Apple Podcast app. Just search for Crash the Pond. We are on YouTube. This is a fun one. So We've got a great little community on YouTube of, of, of people leaving comments, and I, I do read those. I should start replying to them as well. Jake is all over that, so if you do comment on these videos, he will reply.
1: I like to I like to engage with our listeners, you know? You're
0: just a talkative person, as evidenced I by am. this two-hour podcast. Um, yeah. But so that's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. So if you like to get these in video form, uh, so Jake will actually post the Twitch stream video and audio to YouTube and... Um, you'll be able to watch there. So make sure to subscribe to us there. Also, make sure to turn on your notifications so that when we do post these videos, you will be notified of it and you can just dive into it right away. But generally speaking, it is going to be Monday mornings or late Sunday evening uh, when these go up. Couple of other things to note. So when we do these shows on Sunday evenings, we do go live on Twitch. That's at twitch.tv slash crash the pond. If you have an Amazon Prime subscription, You can actually get a Twitch Prime subscription completely free to you. And it goes a very long way. And it's a lot of fun there because when you do become a subscriber, you get free emotes, uh, you get special badges in the chat. it's just it's a good time. Our Twitch chat is a lot of fun. It gets crazy and um, you'll really enjoy it. It's just another layer to the experience that we try to offer. Of course, um, make sure to check out our website, CrashThePawn.com. That's at CrashThePond on Twitter. And if you are shopping for clothes, do it at MacWeldon. Weldon. Uh, When you check out, use the code CTP and uh, you'll get 20% off your order there. Check us out on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great week and we will talk to you at the next show. Have a good one.
1: Bye.